This episode of Down to Business is brought to you by Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare, guiding our local communities to better health for over 50 years. Hey, everybody. This is Jeff Feingold, editor of New Hampshire Business Review, with our Down to Business podcast for June 10th, 2020. Uh, this week, we were hoping to talk about a couple of very essential, uh, very important topics facing New Hampshire businesses. Uh, and to start with, we have uh, Susan Geyer, who's been a guest on this podcast before. She's a uh, writer who actually most recently wrote a really uh, very interesting and in-depth article about what in the headline I wrote was the vulnerable childcare industry of New Hampshire, and it it's, it was vulnerable before, beforehand, and now it's really vulnerable thanks to uh, COVID nineteen. So, Susan, first of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, and could you just give me a little summary of what what is going on in terms of uh, the childcare industry right now? I mean, what well, kind of state it's in? Yeah, well, I think, you know, as you said, it, it was sort of a difficult industry to begin with and difficult in that um, the need outweighed um, what was available for working parents. And no one was really able to specifically identify how big that gap was. Um, but finding quality, affordable child care um, wherever you live in the state um, is and can be a challenge. Um, also, so, you know, COVID-19 comes and clearly a lot of childcare industries closed, although a number of them were allowed to open as uh, under the you know emergency uh, care um, as an essential service and for like essential workers like healthcare and things like that. So a number of them you know were able to remain open. They were able to get that assistance through the state. You know they got PPE and and all of that. And a lot of them applied for. Um, the um, Paycheck Protection Program, but the reality is, is that they, many, not all of them did that, um, and so some that were open, even um, as an emergency service, were operating at a very, um, a, a much smaller ratio of children and, and teachers that were there, so I think, you know, they said there were, um, I think about, Oh, just over 46,000 available slots for children in the state's child care system. And that's, I think, home-based and also center-based. Uh, and I think in, in April, they had less than 5,000 of those slots filled. Mm -hmm. So that's a lot of um, folks who have their kids at home. Uh, and I think there's concerns about if child cares don't open up, will parents be able to go back to work? So this is really considered by everyone I talked to an absolutely critical part of the state's economy. That if childcare is not just, you know, oh, it's just for families, it is, is absolutely vital to the economic engine of the state. Yeah, that was the interesting thing is that it really is so important. I mean, if you think about it, if we're gonna do a full reopening of the economy, there'll be, literally hundreds of thousands of people back to work or mm -hmm. and uh what are they going to do what what are they going to do for uh, child care if there's not if these facilities aren't open yeah and that's i think that was the big thing i was surprised um again it, it's not an industry i think that gets you know really studied in depth a lot although maybe this will prompt that um but you know from the last studies that were done by the state um 
Department of Employment Security um, that the child care industry allowed um, parents to generate 4.4 billion of the state's gross domestic products uh, in $2,000. Um, that's a lot. I think it's more than people realize. Um, it accounts for 7% of the GDP, which is not that far off from tourism. So yeah, it is right. not it is not a small industry. It is not um, just you know kind of an afterthought in terms of um, you know what it brings to the state. So yeah, and then if there's talk of schools not opening, um, that's you know are they going to still be remote? And that's a question that's um, still to be determined. So what? Well, I do know that there has been assistance available. You mentioned the Patriot Protection Program, but isn't wasn't there money dedicated to? Uh, child care providers through uh, the uh, CARES Act money that came to the state? Yes, there was 20 million in federal COVID relief funding allocated by the state to child care and they held back an additional 5 million, um, I think for future needs, um, just to make sure. And it's being um, distributed through the um, state's Department of Health and Human Services. So there is that. There's also um, other found like the charitable foundation and others have created crisis funds um, that you know some of that would go to um, child care centers. Also, I talked to the community development finance authority and the community loan fund in my story, and they have always worked um, to support um, child care centers training and that some particularly for low income families. That, or that serve low-income families. So they too are very, very concerned and are seeking additional funding through their own resources um, to really help this industry. And I think, again, as I said before, it is one that, that um, there was more demand than what's available. So I think this, this has not helped that. So um, they're concerned some centers may not ever open again. Yeah, that, it was interesting that I, I know a few years ago we wrote a we had a piece in a, in the business review about a program that the community loan fund has that mm -hmm. uh, works with helping childcare centers providers uh, learn business skills because so many of them just decided they wanted they they thought they could you know, provide care childcare. But mm -hmm. they, they didn't. They didn't really have the tools to run it as a business. So I could think that th that makes it really fragile. I mean, they they were very successful. Yes. But uh, you know, there's just so many people they could teach at one time. Yes, and I think that's that's um, you know some of what they're talking about. Not just you know infrastructure money to you know build a center, but really give them those tools. And that's there was a real focus on giving them that support to reopen. Um, you know, as a business and understand the business. Uh, it is a tough business in good times, um, as they said. Um, I, I thought it was, um, you know, that the, um, they mentioned, you know, it had been reduced um, to 30% of its capacity. So making sure that they're stabilized um, and also um, operating, um, I think, like you said, um, you know, efficiently and with the tools they need and the training they need. Yeah, and, and, and another another aspect to this is the workforce itself, the people who are providing the, the care to, to the children. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that, you know, it's not, it, it's been pretty obvious from the beginning that, you know, this is not the most highly, high, highly paid uh, profession or career around, around. And I saw that somewhere it was like $12 an hour average pay. Is that, is that what it yeah. says? 
Um, the the median wage in New Hampshire is twelve dollars and twelve cents an hour, um, to according to the labor statistics. And you know, obviously, if you know somebody works longer, they may get more. But you know, a lot of the employees, you know, took unemployment. Then they were given additional, you know, they had that extra money given to folks on it who were affected by COVID to get that additional money. And that was a lot of money, way more than some were making. This isn't the only industry where that's happened. Um, but, you know, one of, one of the centers that um, was able to stay open as an emergency care provider, you know, they've, they've had to, you know, supplement and, you know, give some additional money to their staff. Um, because, um, you know, to keep them able to come in. And I do think there's there's been a concern that this is an underpaid industry, given its importance to the state's economic, you know, uh, importance overall, that, you know, this, this is something that, um, you know, everybody relies on, and it's um, a, often a low-paying job, um, and certainly one that um, maybe deserves... Um, you know, people to look at it a little bit differently. Yeah, and, and then and then you think about it, you know, it, it, it really makes you question the quality of the workforce. I'm not saying that people, that everybody in that industry is, isn't capable, but, mm -hmm. you know, there's, it takes a certain kind of person to be able to say, I'll take, I'll take $12 an hour and I could make 15 or more working, you know, in normal times, you know, mm -hmm. at a retail store. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's the other thing that it raises is this idea that, um, you know, childcare, People who provide childcare are underpaid. They mm -hmm. care for our children, and and there's a lot of arguments about you know what teacher pay is. For the, you know, for the most part, it is also something, and and they're taking care of our children. So you think yeah. about the priorities that, that we're talking about here. Yes, and I, I think it's it's not dissimilar to some of the arguments that or arguments or discussions around um, home healthcare workers. Yes. Um, you know, and and so I think there these are those industries that are vulnerable, um, but also critical to so many lives, um, so many different people, and also you know just from an economic standpoint. And so I think that you know there's there's that bigger discussion around pay, um, but you know again some of these some of the rules around daycares. Um, as the, the state's reopening task force have looked, they've, they've begun to reopen, they've begun to be able to take kids that, um, any kids, uh, any of their children, um, and, you know, at a smaller, um, you know, not as big groups as they had before. There was a lot of interesting back and forth about what those reopening guidelines would look like. Um, mm -hmm. And I think some questioned whether there were people who really understood the industry on that reopening task force, um, if they really knew what it was like. I, you know, one of the operators said, I, I'm not gonna accept toddlers right now. They cannot socially distance, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, or, you know, we can't operate. But I think as hopefully, you know, as things, um, you know, are able to open up, they'll be able to open back up to capacity. But again, there's questions around summer programs, school age care when that happens. Um, so there's still a lot of unknowns around this. Um, but as you said, again, you know, child care, um, you know, like um, educators and, and others that provide these um, really direct services, um, you know, it does, I think, has given people um, pause to maybe look at um, how they're compensated. Yeah, this is definitely an issue that I know at the Business Review we're going to keep following. And uh, it really, and as, as you said, it's a central part of our economy is if, you, mm -hmm. if people are not taking care of, our, of the children, then people aren't going to be working. And 
that's the whole, uh, that's not exactly a recipe for, for a vibrant economy. Yes. Anyway, Susan Geyer, thank you so much for, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. And I hope to talk to you soon sometime in the future. All right. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. Take care. We'll be right back. We'd like to thank Harvard Pilgrim for supporting Down to Business. While so much has changed, Harvard Pilgrim's commitment to their members and local community has not. Whether you're looking to shake it up, stretch it out, or get centered, Harvard Pilgrim's new live virtual well-being courses have you covered with Zumba, yoga, guided mindfulness, and more. All courses are available to everyone at no cost. Get more details and check out the class schedule at harvardpilgrim.org slash livingwellathome. Okay, uh, we're going to, uh, as I say often, we're going to switch gears now. And sure. we'll, I'd like to bring on uh, Bob Sanders, uh, from, who's staff writer for our paper, who is really, uh, has been obviously covering thoroughly what's been going on in, uh, in, in Concord about what, how to, how, what the, all different commissions and task force dealing with reopening the economy and getting everything all on track. Now, Bob, you... Um, you did a story just the other day in the paper that says there was a report by the deputy commissioner of the Department of Employment and Security, who um, who basically is saying that the economy is just going great guns, or at least that's what it seemed like to me. You know, he said ninety percent of the economy is open and you know people are working and all this, but then if you look at the numbers, it doesn't really tell that story, does it? Well, it's a half half empty half full kind of thing you got if 90 percent which is really 88.7 percent um is uh is is uh is employed that means 12 to 13 percent aren't and uh and and that's like five times what it was so it depends yeah, how you look at it but he was giving his presentation to the uh reopening task force and it's certainly what they wanted to hear that what they were doing was working and uh you know uh the the head of that task force uh dj bettencourt uh, uh said oh so you mean that 90 percent is up and working and it's only uh and it's as of uh, may 30th so that's before you know we reopened uh restaurants and you know bef before this so their impression is that things are going really good, um, but uh, but you know that there was a difference. You know, it depends, of course, what industry you're looking at. Um, it depends on what statistics you were looking at. Um, he was looking at the statistics of the ongoing, um, uh, you know, the ongoing uh, 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 claims. In other words, what where people were collecting for a while in the beginning he was looking at initial claims uh and uh that was what was emphasized so we had these huge unemployment figures that were uh they were most up to date because those are the figures that are that are just a week off and um but you know we the latest on that is we were 19 percent unemployment um but he makes a good case 
that those figures are are a little outdated because that's just because someone filed a claim, you know, um, uh, a month ago doesn't mean they're not working. And also, mm -hmm. when you file initial claim, it doesn't necessarily mean you file your weekly claim. Yeah, you follow up, and some people who will file those initial claims don't don't follow up, and some of them are denied benefits. So what I guess we would probably get a better picture of this. When when exactly does the, uh, the the department release the May unemployment rate, the official unemployment rate? That's going to be next week okay. uh, on Tuesday or Wednesday. So what we have is April, which is uh, I believe six uh, more than sixteen percent. Yeah. So which was, split the difference, and that's the official that's the official rate, which is based on a survey, and. Um, you know, and and who knows what else? And it's uh, it's for the early in the month too, so it's way out of date. Yeah, because that that was also one of the things when when the when the federal unemployment rate was released last week, uh, you know, the, it was people were surprised that it had dropped to to drop to thirteen percent, but they had expected it to be higher. So it, I, I guess it's possible we could see a drop in New Hampshire. I mean, is that am I am I reading it the right way? No, I, I probably expect uh, somewhat. There's also a, uh, apparently there was some problem with the uh, figures because they were counting uh, furloughs as unemployed and um, and they weren't collecting unemployment. It's anyway, there was some some questioning of those figures, but but um, according to the continued claims, there has been a decline. Some people, as the economy opens up, some people are going back to work. Um, and but it's uh, it's still very murky. I mean, the whole unemployment figures is all thrown off by the fact that uh, it's open to people who never collected unemployment before, and we yeah. still don't know months into this how many of those are are involved. The people who are staying home take care of their kids, but could work, you know, if they didn't have kids to take care of, or the people who uh, are staying home, the business people who never got unemployment before, they were never counted before. You know, your Uber driver or your carpenter or contractor who was supposedly self-employed but is really like a worker. I mean, a lot of those people never collected before, so they were never in these statistics. Um, so it's, it's a murky world right now. We're getting three layers of statistics. They all not sure what they mean. Um, you know, the biggest thing about this is that the most unusual besides all this is that with the extra federal money, these people are unemployed. They have money. They have almost as much money on average as, as they used to. So yeah, you, you, have a you have a recession with money, with people with money in their <laughs> pockets. And uh, this is the most unusual thing that anybody. But the other thing is that money may go. The yeah. six hundred bucks is uh, due to end in in the end of July, and and Sununu hinted he may phase it out even earlier. Hmm. That I, I I have to say I I I guess I understand what where the governor is coming from in this because he's certainly heard a lot from business owners about the need for for employees, but. Uh, this is an election year, so I'll believe it when I see it, quite honestly, whether he takes that money away from people before it expires. 
But the other thing about this was you, you had some numbers about how it affects different industries. And I know that probably at the top of the list or the bottom of the list is, hosp is uh, accommodations, the lodging industry. And that's right. just, yeah, and that's just obviously been hammered because at least with restaurants, which is also not exactly robust, they could they could they had employees coming into whether it was working on you know, curbside pickup or whether they were working on you know the uh, various kinds of when they finally allowed them people come down to our seating and all those things. But accommodations they just started opening up the other day. Yeah, they they actually were open for quote essential workers. Yeah. Um, but uh, but but otherwise no and. Um, uh, you know, I, I talked that some of them could open and decided not to. They just they're just not nobody's coming. Um, yeah. Unlike restaurants, which when they open their outdoor dining, people wanted to get out. People yeah. are not running around traveling in different states right now. They're not even supposed to take people in different states under the new rules. They have to uh, quarant say they've quarantined for two weeks. Uh, before they come up to New Hampshire, um, so uh, which is kind of silly. Some so because they may be coming from New York, and so you're worried about the virus. But they could be coming from Upper Maine, and uh, <laughs> they'll be better than coming from there than from Manchester. But but anyway, um, so we they the according to these figures, they were at less than half. Uh, you know, were employed. Uh, at the peak of this, which was about a month ago, the beginning of, of May, um, now they're uh, they're at 61%. Now this is before they open, so I'm I, I'm not sure where that's coming from, unless they're gearing up, or um, or or why why that would go up because of the reopening, uh, which makes me kind of suspect a, these statistics a little bit. Uh, but anyway, uh, they're still at 61%. That's not great, <laughs> and uh, and uh, they're in pretty bad shape. Uh, retail, you know, it depends what kind of retail you're talking about. Um, because if you're talking about grocery stores, they they did pretty well. Um, but if you're talking about uh, clothing stores, um, not so good. And uh, I'm just trying to look here. We got, uh, they were down to 52.5, a little better than uh, than the uh, the uh, hotels. And they went up to 72.8. Now they've been open for several weeks and, uh, and there's some that have been doing very well. I mean, essential ones, of course, like uh, um, uh, bicycles and, uh, and auto well auto repair yeah. to some degree um uh swimming pools yeah and uh but clothing stores are were were pretty bad but then i i i drove by some that were before they were opening i think it was uh tj's and it, there was a line outside everybody's oh. six feet apart <laughs> but there was a line before it opened at tj Maxx. Yeah, yeah, wow. concrete. Well, I guess I guess that's a, a sign that people are probably just as eager to go spend their money as they are to sit outside and eat. So maybe that's a good sign. I don't know. 
anyway, Bob, thanks very much for this. I really appreciate you, you uh, explaining this to us. And we'll see what happens next week as we go through this uh, journey through the coronavirus economically. Anyway, thanks very much, Bob. And thank you also to Susan Geyer, who was here earlier, and to Ernesto Burden, our producer and publisher. This is Jeff Feingold of New Hampshire Business Review saying, hope everybody stays well. <laughs>